This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 92, Family of Trees. Today's proverb is unattributed. I'll read it twice. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Once more, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Like all animal proverbs, this is really about people. It's about old people. When do we say this? When do we quote this proverb amongst ourselves? We quote it when old people refuse to change. When old people refuse to do what young people want them to do. Younger people, anyway. That makes this a bit of an odd proverb. It's a young man's proverb. Not many of those. Aristotle says that proverbs are unfitting in a young man's mouth because proverbs are about or born of experience. Young men don't have experience. But this is a young man's proverb. It's something one young person says to another young person when one of them is trying to change old people, to teach old people a new way of doing things. And the old people are resistant. One young person comes to the other and says, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Old people don't change. Old people don't try to change old people, too. Perhaps you've noticed this. Young people 
try to change old people. And that's because there's a lot to be gained by the young if you can change old people. And it's because old people have money and position and old people have favors to call in. That's often what young people want from the elderly. They need favors. They need letters of recommendation. They need introductions. That's what old people are good for, for young people. They're good for connections. Young people listening to the show, you don't have to feel bad about asking old people for connections. They're the only people that have connections. You've got to ask them for connections. Old people have money and position and connections that they can make for young people. But they don't change. Which means that if you can get the help of an old person, you've secured something of value. You've secured something a bit rare if you can get an old person to help you. And when I say old, I don't mean 80s and 90s. I don't mean 70s and 80s. I just mean older than you. Significantly. Let's say 25 years older than you. The proverb works if we're merely thinking of a 25-year difference. 15-year-olds can't teach 40-year-olds new tricks. 20-year-olds can't teach 45-year-olds new tricks. I'm not going to teach a 65-year-old new tricks. That's what the old dog is. The old dog's a generation away. A generation beyond you. Old people like things just so. The older you get, the more particular you are about wanting things in this just so sort of way. Old people don't want a new way of doing things. Why? Because they've made it this far without whatever you're asking them to do. If an old person's made it further than you have, and they're still standing, what is it going to gain them to do something in a new way? They're suspicious. Old people are rightly suspicious that the young are out for their own convenience and that the young would simply benefit in terms of time or material from persuading old people to do something a certain way. Old people are slow, young people are fast. If a young person takes over a company, Old people will obey. If there's a company that has young people and old people in it, and a young person becomes the CEO, the old people will obey. If there's a small company of 20 people, and the new manager is 30 years old, the people who are in their 50s will not flagrantly break the rules, but the young person is not gonna teach them a new way of doing things. The young person's not going to sell the old people on a new vision. I've given this talk on catechisms, on use of classroom catechisms, over and over and over again, over the last three years. I would say that better than 90% of the people I have convinced 
to use a catechism in their classroom are under the age of 40. I've even had old people come up to me and say, oh, it's a really nice idea, this whole catechism thing. I, I'm not going to do it, but it's a really fine idea. They walk away smiling. They don't mean to be rude. It's just they've made it this far. What do they need to do it differently for? The old way of doing things is working out okay for them. If you've been a teacher for 30 years, the teacher thing's working out okay. If you are young and you take over a company and you've got old and young people in your charge, you've got to be content with just persuading the young people of a new vision. Don't fire the old people. If you fire the old people, your company will fail. If you're 35 years old, 30 years old, and you take over a company that has 50 people in it, and you've got some old people and some young people and a bunch of middle-aged people, don't do something dumb and fire the old people just because you can't persuade them of your vision. You've got to keep them around. Old people provide stability in ways that really sort of defy reason. Old people provide a sort of spiritual stability. The presence of old people at a company proves to young people that they ought to stick around, that there's nothing weird about sticking around. Whereas if you've got a company that's just young people, eventually the smartest young person looks around and says, hey, I don't think I'm going to last here. Maybe I should get while the getting's good. Old people don't want to catch your vision. You've got to be content with just teaching young people new tricks. Old people are harder to impress than young people. That's another reason why you can't teach them new tricks. Old people always root for institutions. Old people care more about institutions because old age is a sort of institution, whereas youth is not. You'll be older for more of your life than you'll be younger. Youth passes away. Old people tithe. <laughs> Young people don't. A man that has a family and kids has got to be at least two or three times as likely to tithe as a young unmarried person. When I was a kid, I tithed a dime of my $1 allowance. And then I didn't tithe consistently until I was in my early 30s. It's like this 20-year period where I more or less gave up on tithing. Early 30s, settled on tithing. And it was also in my early 30s that I finally settled into the ideals that I have to this day. My ideals changed a lot before I was 27 or 28. But since then, I've more or less had the same theories and confidences that I have today. I don't have an open mind. I'm not an open-minded person. I'm too old for that. I made my choices. Now, I can be convinced. I can admit defeat in an argument. I can accept a new position on small things. But my theories and my confidences over the last 10 years have gotten where I am, and I'm content with where I am.
That's why I don't want to learn new tricks. I'm not that old, 40, but I don't want to learn new tricks. For me, it's not worth the risk. By the time you're 40, people realize how interconnected all of life is. When you're young, it's a bit hard to appreciate this. I had a hard time appreciating it, at least. When you're young, you tend to think in terms of like all these lives that you live, like your school life, your love life, your spiritual life, and you compartmentalize all these things. And you're content with this idea that your love life might fall apart while your work life thrives. The older you get, the more you realize that's not really how a human being works. You've got one life. Just one. And if something starts falling apart in one area of life, the other areas might not fall apart immediately, but it's in the mail, man. It's in the mail. If your love life starts falling apart at 40, your spiritual life is going to fall apart too. Might not, you might not see it as a one-to-one -one connection, but it's going to happen. It might be two or three or four months later, long enough that you don't see an immediate connection, but people's entire lives fall apart. When you're young, you can convince yourself that it's just one aspect of life, one area of life. The older you get, the less confident you are that you can like sequester off some diseased part of your life where it's not going to affect anything else. You know it's a, a sort of a scam that your work life would be absolutely falling apart and your marriage would be thriving and your soul would be healthier than usual. Doesn't work that way. The proverb, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, proposes three parties of, three players, three parties, old people, young people, and people that want to teach tricks. That's who the proverb references. The reference to young people or old dogs, old people, young people, the young people reference isn't explicit, but it's implied. And not all young people are trick teachers. Only some. So you've got old people, old dogs, young dogs, and the ones that want to teach tricks. Now, it may seem, for the young person, it may seem like the fact you can't teach an old dog new tricks is some sort of de design flaw in old people. Like, it's a problem that you can't teach old people new tricks. But it's not. It's not a design flaw. It's a design feature. Now, it may be better for a certain old person to learn new tricks, but it's better for society if old people don't change. So, if you've got some old got some 75-year-old atheist who's dying and, you know, guy's grandson comes up to him and says, Grandpa, before you die, you need to consider the state of your soul. You need to repent of your sins. You need to go meet God with a 
clear conscience. Obviously, this is better for this old person. It's better to, it's better that this old person accept this change than that he die committed to atheism. But that's on an individual level. It's better. It may be better for a certain old people to be capable of change, but it is better for society. It is a self-preservation mechanism of society that old people don't change. As a group, you don't want old people changing. You don't want the elderly change. Here's why. If old people don't change, it means that the people who want to teach new tricks, the people who want to teach new ways of doing things, have to be content to teach the young. And as a teacher of 17 years, I can tell you, teaching young people new tricks does not get you anywhere fast. The only sort of person who teaches new tricks to the young is someone who's content to play the long game. Because teaching the young new tricks will get you somewhere. It just won't get you anywhere fast. Which means that if you teach the young, you've got to be patient. Because those new tricks aren't going to be worth anything for a long time. Teaching young people new tricks means that whoever is teaching the tricks has to be content to wait 10, 20 years for the tricks to really be worth something. Because that's how long it's going to take before the people who learn the tricks are true assets of society. They're in charge. They're calling the shots. Their beliefs matter on this sort of widespread scale. You can't teach an old dog new tricks is an incentive to have children. Not the only reason, but having children is a sign that you love the world. Because you can teach your kids whatever new tricks you want. If you're not the sort of person who's interested in having kids, you don't deserve to teach anyone new tricks. You can teach children whatever complicated, hard-to-believe, hard-to-fathom new tricks you want. Every Sunday, on the drive to church, I have asked my daughters the same set of questions. Since before they can remember. 10 and 12 now, we've been doing these questions. There was a simplified version of these questions that I asked them when they were two. In its current set, this is, the, this is the set of questions I ask my daughters every time we go to church. I say, where are we going, ladies? And I say, to church. And I say, where is church? And they say, in heaven. And I say, when is church? And they say, the end of time. Who will we see at church? The answer, Mary, Jesus, the saints, the apostles, the martyrs, and the prophets. And I say, who are the apostles? And they say, 
Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas, and Matthias. What are the virtues? They say faith, hope, love, wisdom, justice, courage, temperance. What are the spheres? Earth, air, fire, moon, Mercury, Venus, sun, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Stellatum, Prima, Mobile, Imperion. What are the fruits of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Where does God live? Everywhere. When does God live? Every time. What does God know? Everything. How good is God? All good. Then I ask them, what's the most important thing you do all week? And they say, take the body and blood of Jesus. And I say, is it really the body and blood of Jesus or is it only kind of like it? And they say, it is truly the body and blood of Jesus. And I say, and what would you say if someone told you it wasn't? And they say, I would say, you are wrong. It is the true body and blood of Jesus. Why does Jesus give you his body and blood? Because he's good and because he loves us. Do you love him too? And they say, very much. And I say, how do you love him? And they say, by doing everything he commands. And then I say, if you decide to get married someday, what kind of man must you marry? And they say, an orthodox man, or else he won't come to church with us and our children will be confused. Now, what I'm teaching them won't come to fruition for a long time. I've been doing this for this particular set of questions, like six years. In its current version, back when they were in like kindergarten. What I'm teaching them won't really matter for years. But it's easier to train them now that they have to marry an Orthodox man than it will be if I wait until they're 25 and they fall in love with Lutherans. Nothing against Lutherans, but you're not marrying my daughters. These are the tricks I'm teaching my children. And you're welcome to teach your children whatever tricks you want. But you've got to be willing to teach children. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 